Let's get into this, okay? Let's get into this. Uh, how many of you knew what I was talking about today? Raise your hand. Like, if you knew what the message was today. Okay, so most everybody kind of saw, like, what was coming today. If you didn't, um, hold on to your little seat, okay? Because it's going to get real crazy real quick, all right? Um, Church Hurt is the title today, is the topic, as I've already discussed. And I'm not going to lie, it might sound like, I, I might just do like a rant today, okay? Like, I, I think it's going to be, last week, were you here last week? Okay, you know, it was like, oh shoot, like Pastor Trevor went there, okay, in a lot of ways. I was calling some people out. You knew that I was calling you out if I was too, okay, talking about being offended. That's what this whole series is about, is, is are we living in a place of offense and uh, at a place of hurt and all that stuff, and how do we deal with these things? So last week was more about like the relational side of things. Uh, between each other, but now this is kind of going more towards the church itself and maybe the establishment of the church. I have a lot of thoughts on this, but the Bible has a lot to say uh, about this as well, and I think we can look to God and what he says, more importantly, what I have to say, but I do have a lot of stories, and, and I have a lot of stories about people that have been hurt by the church in various ways, and that's kind of upsetting, all right? That's very upsetting to me, so I'm going to tell some stories today, personal ones and some stories from some other people, uh, and I, I know that you might have your own story, too. And I would encourage you, as much as it maybe it does kind of stink to, to think about it or to pull it back up, I would encourage you to allow God to work on your heart and on your mind today. If that is something that you've dealt with in the past, l- allow that thing to come up so we can deal with it. Does that sound good? All right, let's get into this today. People, church splits are very common nowadays, right? This is a thing that you see on a regular basis. It almost seems like it's going to be predictable uh, in some ways, that eventually a church is going to have some big issue, okay, and they're going to split over something, maybe not even something that seems like a big deal, really, but, but people really get riled up about some things. We talked last week about how church people sometimes are what? The most offendable people. If somebody sits in your seat on a Sunday morning and you're like, how dare you? You know what I mean? Like, get out of my seat. It's like, that doesn't even really matter. We talk about all kinds of different things uh, that might offend church people. And I understand that there's some things we really do care about, but it has become so common. It doesn't surprise us when church members sue each other anymore. When a pastor gets involved in a lawsuit of some sort, ministry politics, I think in a lot of ways, are sometimes just as bad, if not worse, as regular politics, right? We've seen this time and time again. The betrayal among believers is so upsetting to me. And if you, maybe if you've never experienced this before, then good. Like, thank God that you've never had to deal with this before. But I certainly have. I don't know if you have, but it was really hard for me in a lot of ways. And, and there was a, a lady I was talking to um, on the phone the other day, and it was so interesting because she was a pastor with her husband at a church in Oklahoma. We were kind of around the same area and in the same circles and stuff, and I didn't really know him too terribly well, but I was on the phone with her, and they had just moved out to a different state in Washington to, uh, to lead a church out there. And the first question that they started to ask as they took on this new role of being the leaders of this church is, okay, like, who do we need to look out for kind of a thing? You know, as they were talking to the elders and all this stuff, like, who's the people that maybe, you know, might, might cause some drama or like, like, what's the, what's the, the big church issue that has happened in the past? Or, you know, was there a church split? Like, was there some drama? Like, who's the people that we just need to kind of keep an eye on or whatever that might be? They were just kind of trying to get a gauge for, you know, the, the vibe. Was there some kind of moral failure from a pastor beforehand that people are dealing with now? And they were like, what are you talking about? And th- these pastors were like, I mean, like, what are you talking about? What are we talking about? Like, like, what do we need to be worried about? And they were like, nothing. Like, there's, there's nothing like that. We don't have like some kind of church split that we've had or, or this thing or that or the other. And this church has been around for a very long time. They were shocked to hear that nothing had happened. Now, these people grew up in the Midwest. These people grew up in the Bible Belt, okay? And now they're out in Washington, okay? And so the people, she explained to me, the people that are here at church up here are here because their parents didn't go to church. They're here because they've encountered God and they want to be here, okay? And it's a big difference in, in the, the Bible Belt, even where we're at here in Kyle, Texas, Hayes County, in this area, where people go to church just because that's just what you do, right? Because your parents went to church, And that's kind of a thing for many of us. We don't even know why we're here half the time. And yet we see so many things in this Bible Belt area. There's way more drama. There's way more issues, I think, a lot of times in this area of the country, uh, specifically because of that, because it's just the tradition. This is what we've always done. This is how we do things. This is how we think about things. And so uh, people get real heated about this stuff. They were shocked that there was no drama. 
They, uh, I've seen believers running from church to church to escape offense all my life. I've been in ministry for 10 years now. I started when I was 19 in full-time ministry. I had a little blip in that for about eight months, and then I went right back into it, uh, praise God. And so I've been in it for almost 10 years now. And I've seen people running from church to church to escape offenses that have been done against them uh, or because they were the ones that caused it, okay? So they had to get out because they were causing some problems. And and maybe there's some people that you might know that are claiming to be Christians, right, but they don't actually go to church. How many of you know somebody that's like, yeah, I'm a Christian, but I don't really go to church. I don't really believe in church. You've probably heard that a time or two before. Why? A lot of people are disenfranchised with church, with just the idea of the establishment of the church. They're losing trust in church leaders. And many people, because of that, have just given up on church completely. I don't really need church, okay? I don't need that in order to be a Christian. And um, I'm going to read this verse to you. And before I do, I want to make a disclaimer that I know that this verse has been used in, in, in church hurt ways to shame people into coming to church. And that's not what I'm doing right now. Before I read, I want to tell you that. So Hebrews 10, 24 through 25. If you know that verse, you already know where I'm going with this. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Not neglecting to meet together. How many of you have ever heard that verse being used in a way that kind of shames people into going to church? You ever heard it like that before? Because I certainly have, okay? I most definitely have. Or being shamed into you can only go to your church, our church. And if you go somewhere else for like a, a different event or something like that, well, then you're not like serving this church and you're not under the right vision and stuff like that. People will use it all kinds of different ways. And what that is, is the first hurt that we're going to talk about. There's three hurts that I see very commonly in church people and in the church circle. And the first one is the hurt of legalism. The hurt of legalism. Now, do we know what legalism is? Legalism basically means it's man-made ideas or man-made laws or imposed things that, that we put on top of what Scripture has said, right? Scripture has very clear things, uh, 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 commands on a lot of different things, and yet Jesus calls out the Pharisees many times, one time very specifically saying, basically what you guys are doing right here is man-made laws and you're throwing out all of the scripture. And Jesus condemns the Pharisees and the Sadducees many, many times because of these things, adding on to what God had already said, adding on to what Jesus had already said. That's kind of the idea of legalism. And before we really get into this, and I know we're kind of already into that, I'm going to say that probably a few times, so it's okay, it's okay to admit that the church has done a few things wrong, okay? As a pastor, uh, I think sometimes maybe we're afraid to talk about like how the church has done things wrong because it's like people are already not coming to church, so we don't want to scare you away even more, okay? But, uh, but I think it's okay to talk about what the church has done wrong in the past. We need to address some of this stuff so that we can move past it because if we don't, if we don't acknowledge the fact that, that we've had some issues in the past, how can we ever move forward into the future with people's trust, with your trust? It's just not going to be able to happen, Okay. The last few generations, I think, even just the last few. So Jesus was calling these people out when he was still alive, like walking around. Jesus is there, and he's already calling out legalism. And yet legalism has gotten in many different ways, shapes, and forms. It has woven itself into the church culture all uh, over the last 2,000 years since Jesus has been off of this earth. And in one way, uh, let's just go ahead and say it, segregation, okay? I think that's something that, our, that the last 100 years has not been a really great thing. Would anybody agree that that was a great thing? Nope, right? It's like, that is not a good thing. And the church was not uh, at the forefront of changing that either, okay? There was a lot of church people that were very upset about that. I have a buddy of mine who actually got voted out of his church position. Uh, That's kind of, you know, an old school way of doing church necessarily is where like all the church members get together and vote on who the pastor is going to be and all that stuff. So his his pastor, and he was a, uh, a youth pastor, they started to have a lot of black kids come to the church, and the, the white people didn't like that. They thought the black kids were troublemakers. And so they literally voted out the pastor and my buddy from their positions at the church because they didn't want these kids coming to the youth group to infect the youth group and infect the church. That's messed up. The church got that wrong. It's okay to admit that and to talk about that. We need to talk about these kinds of things. 
And legalism is a big thing that I think the church has gotten wrong in the last, you know, 70, 80 years especially. But uh, how about, has anybody ever played cards? You know, played cards for anything? You know, play cards with your family or maybe you like some blackjack here and there. Whoa, hello. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's <laughs> Some, some poker going on in the back after church. I'm just kidding. Don't do that. <laughs> but you know what I'm talking about? Like back in the day, okay, like if you were just playing cards with your family, it was like a problem. You weren't supposed to play cards. Don't play cards. That's not the devil. If you went to a movie and, you, and, the, and the rapture came and Jesus came back when you were in the movie theater, you could have been watching Finding Nemo for all I care. You know what I mean? Like it didn't matter. If you're watching a movie, it's not the devil, you know? Tattoos, the way you dress, alcohol. All these different things, legalism, man-made rules put on top of what Scripture says, sometimes because of an improper understanding of what Scripture says, and that's, I understand that, okay, like we can work through that theologically, but a lot of times it's just added on to because people want to make their own rules. This is the way we've always done it. Well, how dare you do this? That, well, no, listen, is this of God or is this of man, right? We need to look to what God has said, and I think the hurt of legalism has been a really big turnoff for many people in the church for the last 50, 60 years especially. But they got some things right, the church, 50, 60, 70 years ago, didn't they, right? Some of you maybe were kids uh, at that point in time, and, and you remember going to church every single Sunday, right? When the doors were open, you were there. And I do think that there is some good to that, right? There was some devotion to church. There was like a devotion to God that was amazing. And, and, and obviously our country was founded on Christian principles. You can debate that, whatever. But it was founded on Christian principles and the church was thriving in a lot of ways, okay? Uh, they had some issues, of course. We understand that. But people went to church. And nowadays, church attendance is, is abysmal. It really is. And you're here today, so lucky for you. If, for those of you that are watching online that are on vacation right now, you're like, oh, shoot, what is he going to say right now? <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's all right. It's all right. Barna Research says in 2000, the year 2000, 45% of all those that were sampled qualified as practicing Christians, so people that they were uh, polling at the time. And that share has consistently declined over the last 19 years. Now, just one in four Americans is a practicing Christian. In essence, the share of practicing Christians has nearly dropped in half since the year of 2000. You look at, at the church from the 50s until about 2000, 2005. Church attendance was down slightly, but not really that much. People were still going to church. You get to 2010 to now, and it is like, it's like a very, very quick, sharp turn downwards, okay? Why is that? I think personally, a lot of people are trying to escape the legalistic and hypocritical culture that they've noticed in the established church. They, they look at the church and they say, well, these people on stage, they say one thing, but then I see the way that they live their life off the stage and it is not right. And I think that social media has just kind of hyper, you know, made that go a lot faster, okay? Because now we see everything that everybody does, Right. So if I'm saying one thing from the stage and then you see one post that I do on social media and it doesn't really make any sense, you're like, well, I, don't, I didn't know that's how he was, you know, he's kind of throwing some shade there. He's not really a nice person or something, you know? I don't know. It could be all kinds of different things, but, but this interconnected, crazy social media culture that we're in now has really made that go a lot faster. And they're trying to escape this legalism that they see within the church of all these man-made imposed laws that are supposedly these laws of God and really at the end of the day, they're not. And this verse, Hebrews 10, 24 through 25, this verse has been used to shame people uh, into going to church. It's been used as one of those legalistic trump cards that if you don't come to church every Sunday or, you know, on a certain agreed upon amount by the pastoral leadership of the church, then you might get a little bit of a talking to, right? You know, maybe it's one of those things where you have to be in church every single Sunday, Sunday night prayer meeting, you got Wednesday night groups you got to be at, you got an event on Friday, and if you miss one of those, somebody's looking at you at church on Sunday like, hmm, I can't believe you missed that event. Mm, the, the women's Bible study brunch. How dare you miss that? It's like, I was at the other three, you know? But seriously, that's really how it's gotten in a lot of churches, they have this idea of how many times you're supposed to come to church if you're a Christian necessarily, okay? So if, if this verse is not supposed to be used that way as some kind of legalistic trump card of you need to be at church and I'm going to shame you into going to church, then what really is it? I believe that this verse was an encouragement. This verse is an encouragement. It is an exhortation which basically uh, is leading people to a higher level of faithfulness. That's what I would say. I think that this verse is about faithfulness. And if you are a believer... 
and you're watching online right now, I do believe that you should go to church. I really do. I do believe that you should be at church in person. All right, and that's a whole other thing you could add into that, all right? And so for those of you that are watching online, I don't know why you're watching online today. It could be for a variety of reasons, but I would encourage you one day, I hope, if you're on vacation or maybe COVID has been a thing or whatever it might be, listen, we want to get you back into person at church. And at the end of the message, I will tell you why that I think the Bible helps us to understand that better, okay? But we're going to get on to the second one. We'll come back to that, all right? The second one is the hurt of loneliness, the hurt of loneliness, now, uh, we have an amazing connections director. His name is Richard Lopez. Richard, are you around right now? Where is he at? Is he, is he out in the hallway? Okay, cool. He's, okay, the reason why he's great is because he's probably out in the hallway uh, typing on the live stream right now. Hey, if you guys are on the live stream and you're seeing Richard type in the comments, make sure to say hello to him. Uh, he is an amazing di- connections director. He is all about connecting with people. That's just who he is. I love it. But they have a story that I'd like to tell. Richard and his wife, Lupita, um, we met them at our very first interest party, February of 2020. We had about 45 people show up to the Plum Creek Community Center. It was the first day that we had kind of publicly came out and said, hey, we're going to be a church. This is who we are, and this is our values. Would you like to join the launch team? There he is, Richard. Hey, all right. (laughs) He's busy. He's typing away, man. He is a keyboard warrior out there for Jesus. Come on. (laughs) But Richard and Lupita, we met them, and, and they were one of the first couples to join our launch team and to say yes to Radical Church and to what that looked like. And we weren't launching until September, so you got to remember, from February until September, they had joined this team, and they decided they were going to be on this team, whatever that looks like. We didn't even know at the time, right? Um, but they went to about two or three other churches, at least, before they found Radical Church, uh, one of which Richard was on the board. He also served on the Connections team. They also hosted small groups at their house, all right? So they were very, very, you know, connected as far as, you know, the programs and the opportunities they had to be connected at the church. Every Sunday, right, they'd come in and they'd say hello to people the same way that you might come in on a Sunday morning and say hello to people. And, but they never found those true lasting friendships. They never actually really connected with people. He's on the Connections team, on the board, hosting small groups, and yet throughout the rest of the week, no one's really talking to them. They're not talking to anybody else. They they don't have that connection. It's just not happening. So they ended up at another church where then a rumor was started about them that was not true. And the person that started it ended up coming out later and saying, hey, like, I'm so sorry. I I thought that you had said this, but I I guess I just must have made that up. And it's like, how are you going to do that, you know? (laughs) Anyway, so that really hurt them as well. So now they've been to a few other churches, and now they're like, well, we need to leave now. And that is where they found us. That's the season where they came to this interest party at Radical. They had been starting to come to a place where they maybe didn't trust church leadership anymore, understandably, where they didn't trust church people. And yet they were still wanting this Christian community. And many people are in this exact place right now. Many of you or many people watching today or whenever you watch this, they might be in this place where I don't necessarily trust the church leadership, but I want Christian community, and I don't know where do I go from here. And I want you to know, first off, that that's an okay place to be. It's all right to be in that place. We'll work through it. We'll talk about it. We'll get somewhere else, right? But it's okay to be where you're at right now. I don't want to stand up here ever and invalidate experiences of people that have gone through some stuff. Right? Because I know that maybe you've gone through some stuff. I've went through some stuff at church. Maybe those of you that have been ostracized by the church, kicked out of a church, or felt ignored or hurt by a church in real ways. But what I want to encourage you with today is this. Have you isolated yourself or closed yourself off from the idea of church or from going to church, meeting with church people, in order to protect yourself from a future hurt that you think is inevitable? From a future abandonment that you think there's no way that it's not going to happen. Eventually, I'm going to have to leave this place too. Because of my experience here, my experience here, my experience here, I believe that eventually something's going to happen here to where I'm going to be abandoned. I'm going to have to leave. There's going to be a church split. The pastor's not going to care about me. He's not going to want to talk to me. They're they're not going to, I'm going to have a small group and yet I'm not going to really ever make any friends. I'd rather not deal with the drama. I just would rather not deal with it at all. And you close yourself off from church completely. Now, when we go through growth track, there's three things that I always talk about to help people identify where they can serve and where they can get involved and stuff. And 
And the first one is gifts and passions. And I'll kind of quickly get through this. But gifts and passions is what do you have a gift for? Like, what are you interested in? Do you have a passion? When you walk into the place, do you go look at the kids' ministry? And that's the first thing you see. And you look at all the cool setup and the kids' thing in there. And you want to figure out how do you do check-in. And you don't want to meet the kids' pastor and all that stuff. Is that something that interests you? Are you are you passionate about kids' ministry? Or when you first come in, is the first thing you want to look at is, is the lights. And, ooh, that's that's kind of cool. You, you're interested in music. So you want to see, you know, the the... the the pedal board over here and the drums and you're listening during service like oh maybe I'd change this a little bit or I'd change that you know like you might be thinking that kind of stuff well maybe that's what you're gifted at or you're passionate about that that's the first way that you can know maybe where God might be calling you to get involved or serving or whatever it might be secondly is your life experiences do you have experience doing the things that you might be on a team for do you have experience with kids do you are you a kids you know leader at a at a group or at a are you a teacher maybe you should get involved in kids ministry do you work at a daycare okay uh, are you an IT guy well then maybe we could use you at the production booth this morning okay um, are you uh, passionate about music or anything like that well then maybe we can have you be on the worship team it's just a life experience you've done it before but then the third thing that kind of catches people off guard, and this is where I want to really bring it around to, is the third thing that you can really look at is your pain. Your pain. That will really help you determine where you should get involved. Now, let me explain. Richard had felt lonely. Richard and Lupita had kind of felt lonely at the churches they'd been at. They're naturally connecting people, right? They brought by themselves about 10 people, I think 8 to 10 people, onto the launch team before we started the church. To give you perspective, we only had 50 total, right? We had 50, which is actually a really good number, but we had 50 people to start the church uh, as a part of the rad team. And Richard and Lupita, by themselves, brought at least eight to 10 of those people. They're natural connectors, okay? They have gift and a passion for connecting with people. They're good at it. It's what they do. Secondly, Richard had life experiences, working in a connections team, being in a church and leading small groups. He had that experience there. But then thirdly, and the most important thing, Richard had the pain of not feeling connected at a church. He knew what it felt like to be lonely and to walk around and, and to be in a church maybe that's friendly, but where he didn't have a friend. And that's what I want our church to be. And I've said this before, is I want our church to be a place where everybody has a friend and not a church that is friendly. And so for those three reasons, I noticed that and I was able to identify those things. And that's why I chose Richard to be our connections director. And he's been killing it ever since then. He's done a fantastic job at it. And the reason is, is because all three of those things lined up. And it was the hurt of loneliness that I identified in him that was actually the thing that I said, you know what, you need to be the one to lead this group. You need to be the one to help welcome people every Sunday morning when they walk in. The next one, and the last one we'll talk about today is the hurt of identity. The herd of identity. And I have another story. Unfortunately, I, like I said, I have a lot of stories of people that have been hurt by the church. I have way too many. It's very upsetting. I have a friend in Oklahoma. We were young adults pastors, uh, me and Lindsay. And at our church, we, I did many things. They called me the everything bagel. Like there was this guy from New York and he said, yeah, you're like the everything bagel because you do a little bit of everything. And I was like, yeah, okay, I like that. You know, so I did a little bit of everything at the church in Oklahoma. But one of my primary roles ended up being that I was the young adults pastor with Lindsay. And so uh, we started this thing kind of the same way we started this church. We had a, a launch team, we built it up and then we launched the ministry. And then as people started to come, there's this one guy uh, who I met and I actually had met him outside of the church, and I invited him to come. I knew that he wasn't involved in a church anywhere. I said, hey, why don't you come to the church? It'd be, you know, we have a young adults group. And he's like, all right, cool. He starts to come on a very, very regular basis. And then eventually, as I was hanging out with him, I found out that he's gay, okay? That was one thing I just found out in conversation. I'm like, all right, cool, no big deal. So we started to, to hang out more and more and get to know each other better and better. And he kept coming. And there was another guy also that ended up coming uh, to the young adults group as well that was gay. And, and I knew that about him. We just in conversation and stuff like that. And I started to become pretty good friends with these guys. They would come every single week. They were committed. They always wanted to be there. They were like posting on social media about the young adults group and all this stuff. They were real excited to come to church. But I had known in conversations as well that, that this one guy in particular, the first one that I invited, had been excluded and kicked out of his church when he was young, the one that he had grown up in. Because when he came out, basically they said, hey, you can't come to this church anymore. And they, they booted him out of the church. And he doesn't know hardly any of those people anymore that he went to church with because of that. And nor does he want to know them. And I don't really blame him, to be honest. 
And so I decided one day, I want to get to know these guys better. So I'm going to, I asked, hey, would you, would you both come to coffee with me? I'd love to just have a conversation with you guys, get to know you better, see what we can talk about, okay? And we had a great time. It was fun. We we're just laughing, having coffee, having a good time. And then I asked this one question that forever changed my life when I heard the response. And the question that I asked is, why do you come to the Young Adults Program? Like, why do you come to our church? I'm just curious, because I know that you've been hurt by the church. Like, I know that people have kicked you out. I know that you, you have had a bad experience in many ways. And I know that necessarily we might not even agree on everything in, on this topic. But I, and I, I understand that, that you understand that, and we both know that, okay? And we've talked about this before. And so, like, why do you come? Because I know so many churches, you know, they, they won't even agree with you on, on, on your lifestyle or whatever, and yet you still come. And I'm really curious, like, why do you come? And he said, because I have never felt more loved at a church than when I am with you guys. Yeah. He went on to say that, you know, we might think differently on some things. And, but at the end of the day, he said, you're not like everybody else. He said, I can tell that you really care about me. I can tell that you really do love me and that you want the best for me. And, <clears throat> and he said, I've just never felt more love from a church ever in my life and from a group of people. I really feel connected to these people and connected to you. And I got emotional just like I am right now. I mean, it's hard for me not to. I got emotional sitting there at the coffee shop with this guy and his friend, and I said, man, that means more to me than you will ever know. It really does. Why? Because 1 Corinthians 13, if I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but I have not love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy, can fathom all mysteries and knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but I have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but I do not have love, I gain nothing. Why? Because love is patient. Love is kind. Does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. Does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. Keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. The church must be characterized by our love for one another and by our love for those that are not in the church, by our love for those that maybe don't even agree with us on things that are really important to us. We've lost the ability to disagree as a society on something and still love each other. That's a tough thing. These are things that matter to us, that really, really matter. And yet so many people, instead of looking at the person, the first thing they do is they look at the thing. They look at the topic. They look at the disagreement instead of looking at the person. The church has done a terrible job, in my opinion, of loving people who think differently than them, specifically the LGBTQ community. No matter what you think biblically on the topic, I don't care. If you do not start from a place of love, you've already lost. It's, you've already lost. What about an alcoholic? How has the church historically treated them? What about somebody that's been divorced? How has the church treated them? Not that great, right? The church has defined people by what they would consider their sins. The church defines you by the things that you do, right? And this is a false identity that has popped up in many people's hearts and minds, and that is that my sins define me. A false identity, my sins define me. Another story, my buddy went to youth group with him, and he was a good dude. We led worship together, as a matter of fact. Great guy, and um, hadn't seen him in a few years. This is probably, what, 2013, 2014, and we sat down on the couch at my apartment that I had, and I hadn't seen him in a very long time. He'd been all over the world in different places, and, 
and we sat down on the couch together and was just talking about life. And, you know, I was working at a church part-time, and, and he said, man, I, I haven't been to church in a long time. I was like, really? He said, yeah, I, I, don't, I can't go to church anymore. I was like, well, why can't you go to church? He said, oh, I stopped going to church because I wanted to stop feeling bad about myself. Ugh. And I understand that, that he was going through some stuff and he wasn't living a life that was honoring God. And I understand that. And I don't want to necessarily glaze over that. But at the end of the day, he stopped going to church because he didn't want to feel bad about himself anymore. You're coming to church and you're feeling terrible about yourself and you're not growing and you're not feeling hope-filled and, and joyous by the time that you leave, feeling like you can take on the world because you have Jesus on your side. Listen, there's something wrong with that because there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus, right? But there is a lot of it in church. There's a lot of condemnation from church people and from the establishment. This is supposed to be a hospital, where you can come if you're struggling with something. But it's not a hospital. It's, it's become this museum for the saints, right? Where we all get together and we say, oh, look how great I am, how high and mighty, and how I, much I don't sin. And it's like, what is that? It's supposed to be okay to not be okay, but when you come into church, and if you feel like that it's, it's a place where you cannot be real, you can't Admit that you're having some struggles because you're nervous that you're going to get taken out of a position of leadership, maybe. People that are on the rad team, I'm looking at you. If you have a struggle right now and you're nervous about talking to me about it, or you don't want it to come out because you think that I'm going to come at you and say, well, you can't serve anymore, you can't do this, you can't do that. Listen, that is not what ministry in church is supposed to be all about. I want you to know, all of you that are here today, Radical church is a place where it's okay to not be okay. Why? Because there are no perfect people, man. I'm not perfect. I'm not going to ever claim to be. That's why I need Jesus. That's why I need grace. This is supposed to be a, a place where we deal hope and we deal grace to people. And aren't you grateful that God does not define us by our sins? That's not how he sees us. He doesn't see you as a, as a dirty, rotten sinner, right? But God sees you as a son and a daughter that just needs a little bit of grace, that just needs a little bit of direction in the right way. That's how God sees us. We all need a savior, and his name is Jesus. And he died on the cross for your sins and for mine so that we could have a relationship with God. God looks deep into our hearts. He's here for you. He's not mad at you. He wants to help. He wants to walk alongside of you. So how do we respond to church hurt? Okay. Many of us have been hurt by church. Many of you watching today, how do you respond? What do you do? There's, a lot, there's three main things, and then the third one is the most important in my opinion. The first one is do not speak bad of another church or another leader of a church. This is a hard one. Because the first thing that happens when you get hurt by the church is you want to go talk about how much they stink, okay? And I understand that. It's a hard thing to do. And I know there's a distinction between gossiping and then telling your story, okay? Like the story with Richard here, okay, this is a part of his story and his testimony now. And we can talk about this in a way. I'm not naming names. I'm not spitting out like, this church did this, you know? Like, I'm not going to do that, okay? But it's a part of his testimony. We can talk about that. And there's a difference. You know what the difference is between gossiping and then having a relationship with somebody and just telling them what you've been through. There's a big difference, okay? Don't go around talking about another church or another leader in a bad way. That's why next week we're talking about honor. My pastor, Pastor Kevin Fouts, is coming down from Oklahoma from that same church I was telling you about. I love him to death. We were there for five years. An amazing pastor. He's going to be talking about honor, what it looks like to honor one another, to honor authority, to honor uh, church leadership, to honor whatever he wants to talk about. He loves to talk about honor. So we're going to talk about that next week. The second one, how do you respond to church hurt? Do not hold on to offense and forgive those who have hurt you. This is the hard part. This is the really tough one, okay? Maybe you can hold back and not talk bad about them, but you might not fully forgive them. You might not fully forgive the church and be able to move on because of the hurts that have been caused against you. It's a tough thing. And like I said, I don't want to downplay the things that you've been through because they're real and they stink a lot. But are we holding on, like we talked about last week? If you didn't watch last week, go back and watch that one because I really think that will help you with this as well. 
to let go of some offense, but are you holding on to that thing and refusing to forgive and closing yourself off from the church because you, once again, think it's inevitable that you're eventually going to get hurt again? And the third one that I want to help you with is, is don't speak bad and then learn to let go and forgive. Don't hold on to offense. Number three, do not give up on the local church. Do not give up. A lot of people ask the question, why should I go? Why do I need church? You ever heard that before? You ever felt that before? Why do I have to go to church? Why is it important? I told you I'd come back to it, right? I told you I was coming back around all the way at the end, and now I'm here. Praise God, okay? I don't need the establishment, okay? Over 50% of millennials, Barna Research again, uh, will go to a house church or a worship night or have been to a house church or a worship night. Um, 39% of millennials say that church attendance is not important because I find God elsewhere. I find God in other places, right? I find God uh, in my own spiritual devotional time. I, I don't need to go to church, okay? I, and I have God in, in many other places, all right? And that's a good thing. I understand that. They might say, we have more intimate gatherings. Our gatherings are so sweet. Like, they really are. They're just so intimate and just, like, so, like, raw and just so real. It's like the millennial kind of thing to do. You know what I mean? Like, we're having, there's actually some people getting together to have a worship night tonight at somebody's house. So I don't want to, like, downplay it because, like, I'm going to that because I'm a millennial. (laughs) And I'm like, yes! I'll go worship at somebody's house. This is awesome. And I love it. And there's a reason why I love it. But that's not it. It can't be it, all right? We have more intimate gatherings. I have Stephen Furtick online at Elevation Church. I don't need anything else, okay? That's all. I I got Brian Houston at Hillsong. I got this pastor on the live stream. I don't need to go to church. God hasn't called you through scripture, though, to be faithful to your women's Bible study. God hasn't called you to be faithful to a church live stream He certainly hasn't called you to be holding on to your prideful thinking that maybe says that you're good enough on your own and can find God on your own. God calls us in Scripture to live life together. He does. And his primary method of accomplishing that is the local church. Let me explain. 3A. I have subpoints today, guys. All right. (laughs) This is a long one, guys. Bear with me. It's God's primary method for accomplishing his mission, the local church. Paul would go to uh, all the different churches. He would basically establish a church in a region and a city. And his work was not done in that place until the church there was established. Paul didn't write to each individual house all these letters that we see in the New Testament. Who was he writing to? He was writing to the church at Corinth, Corinthians. Writing to the church at Ephesus. Ephesians, writing to the church at, insert church name that you see in the New Testament, okay? He wasn't writing to each individual house. He wasn't writing to, you know, to the Smith family because, well, they feel like they can find God elsewhere, so I need to make sure that I send this letter to them and their own personal residence. No, that's not what he did. He wrote the letters to the church for them to be unified and built up together as the church, The church was built by Jesus, on Jesus, and it's for Jesus. Jesus said this, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And I just want to encourage all of us today, when Jesus says that, we need to be on the right side of that battle. Don't be on the side inadvertently or unknowingly being on the side of the gates of hell by saying that I don't need church. Why? Because the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Jesus will build his church. He will build it and it will grow. Why? Because he said that it would. I want to be on the side of Jesus. If he wants to build his church, I want to be a part of it. Amen? I want to be in it. I want to be around it. I want to be all about it. Why? Because the second one, it is where you grow as a believer. That's where you grow. I hope you're growing today. You feel like you're growing a little bit? Come on, I sure hope so. I am. Ephesians 4, 11 through 13. Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. Jesus established this, this framework here. To equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Did you know that we are the body of Christ? It says in the Bible, 
in many occasions that, you know, an eye is, is not a, a hand and a hand is not a foot and, and a foot is not this or whatever. We all have our different roles. Like we talked about earlier, Richard has his role because of these things that he's been through. And you have yours in the local church, in the body of Christ, that you can give your gifts and talents back to the Lord to serve people together. You have these unique gifts and talents that can be used for the glory of God. Now notice in this verse, I want to go back and kind of read it again. But I want to change a few of the words. Uh, it says these, these words built up, unity, mature, whole measure, fullness. What does that kind of sound like to you? It sounds like an uplifting thing. Some great words that we're going to be built up. We're going to be unified together. A whole measure, a wholeness, a fullness. That's a great sounding thing, right? Let's change it a little bit. God gives us these gifts and talents. Now, this is not, all right, I'm going to clarify. This is not Ephesians 4, 11 through 13. I think it even should be on the screen. Not God gives us these gifts and talents so the body of Christ can be spread out, not unified, not built up, until we all reach our own conclusions in our faith and in the partial knowledge of the Son of God, staying immature, never attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Now, how does that sound? Sometimes when you flip scripture around to say what it's not saying, you can realize a lot more of what it is saying. Amen? We grow better when we are together. If you're on your own, in the Bible it says that you have one strand, right? You have one cord, it snaps on its own. But man, you put a bunch of sticks together. You ever done that before? You get outside and you get a bunch of sticks together and you put them over your leg when you're like, you know, 15 years old. You're trying to prove how strong you are, you know, you're like trying to break this thing. It's like, oh, I can do it. I can do it. And, you know, you get one more stick and the next guy tries it, you know, something stupid like that. Listen, you know how hard it is to break a big strand, a cord of, of sticks that are all put together. It's difficult. Why? Because they're together. Don't be broken easily by being on your own. We're better together. Next, it's where you submit to spiritual authority. These are the two that people really have a problem with, the, the last two. Hebrews 13, 17. Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. I, I'm not necessarily much different from you guys other than the fact that I have to give an account when I die before the Lord on how I stewarded you guys. That's a little terrifying. That's a mantle of leadership that you don't have to deal with. I'm okay with dealing with it because this is what God has called me to. That's okay, all right? Um, do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden. Please. <laughs> please, please have confidence in me and submit to our authority and the, the leadership of the church so that it won't be a burden for, for me to lead, all right? So it's not going to be a difficult thing. For that would be of no benefit to you is what it says. It's no benefit to you if all we do is complain. It's no benefit if we hold offense at our church leaders. It's no benefit to us. And you as the people, it's not, this verse is not just about submit to the authority, right? That's not what it's about. It actually says that it actually benefits you when you submit to spiritual authority. But people don't like to submit to anyone these days, okay? Nobody likes to submit to anything. No one trusts authority figures anymore because we all have come to our own conclusions, have our own truths on what we think about everything, and that includes the Bible. So I want you to understand that we have to learn to forgive those leaders that have hurt us so that you can trust the leaders that are in front of you right now. Allow God to teach you to trust spiritual authority again. Next week, like I said, we're talking about honoring authority and honoring one another. It's going to be a very powerful message I already know. And the last one, it's where you have accountability. And if I can have... Someone come up, Sadie, thank you so much. Where you can have accountability. Do you know people that say I'm a Christian, but their life is a mess? It's like, are you though? <laughs> like, I understand, like, you, can I just be real? Like, these are thoughts that we really think, okay? I'm not trying to judge anybody's heart specifically, but these are things that you've thought before, right? Like, somebody's like, yeah, I'm a Christian. It's like, but you don't go to church. Uh, you live like just the greatest heathen I've ever seen in my life, okay? And it's like, like, do you really obey the commands of Jesus? Like, are, are you really? Maybe you've thought that about yourself before. Like, am I really a Christian, you know? Like, I say that I am, but am I really though? Like, and you worry about that in your own heart sometimes, this is what happens when I think people remove themselves from spiritual authority and spiritual accountability. When you have these little house church gatherings and when you're on your own and you say that you find God elsewhere, you don't get to use your gifts and talents like we talked about earlier and be the body of Christ. You don't get to submit to spiritual authority because there is no authority because, you know, it's just you're doing your own thing. And then lastly, you certainly don't have accountability when you remove yourselves from that. Hebrews 10, 24 through 25, it says this, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Well, how can I 
consider how to stir you up in love and good works if I never see you? If I don't even know that you exist because you're on your own trying to do church and trying to live your Christian life by yourself. And at this point is where I want to say something. It's probably the most important thing I'll say today. If you don't hear anything else, if you have not been listening, please listen in right now. If you have been hurt by the church, like I said, I do want to acknowledge that. If you've been hurt by a leader, if you've been going from place to place, trying to find your spot, trying to find where you fit in, maybe you felt lonely, you felt rejected, you felt like people don't care about you, a rumor was started about you, drama, whatever it might be. I, as a pastor, I feel like I can do this, but I'm going to speak for the church overall. I will certainly speak for me if I've, maybe if I've even hurt you. I probably have. After last week, I had a great conversation with somebody. I said, hey, I just want to let you know I was offended at you at something, and because of the message, I felt like I needed to talk to you about it. There was a big misunderstanding, a big issue, and, and we were, I was like, man, I'm so sorry. I didn't know that I had hurt you like that. And now we were able to be reconciled. It was a great, great thing. But maybe if I've hurt you or another pastor, another church, I just want to tell you I'm so sorry. I really am. Because that's not what the church should be about. It should be a place where we can come and experience freedom, experience life and joy and friendship and laughter. And church should be fun. We should have a great time when we're here. That's what it's about. I'm so sorry if the church has hurt you in very, very real ways. But with that, I want to encourage you with something that I think is very important. Don't allow the real offenses against you and the hurt from those offenses to cause you to live offended and stop you from obeying God's word. That's a hard thing to swallow. Don't let those things that the church leaders have done to stop you from being connected in a local church, in a local body of believers, because you can see all throughout Scripture here that this is an important thing for us to do. It's important for us to have accountability. It's important for us to be able to use our gifts in the body of the church. It's important to give to the mission of the church. God established the church, and we need to be a family. Now, families are not perfect, and many times we live offended because the family that that is this church, there's going to be problems, okay? I have said that before. Radical church is going to have some problems, and that's okay. We can work through them together, but we got to stick together through this thing. Families are not perfect. Why? Because no person is perfect. So what I want to encourage you to do today is believe in what God is doing in his church, that he is in it, that he's in it. He has his hand on it, that you can benefit from it that you will grow by being in it and you'll get closer to God because of it. That's all I'm asking today. Let go of the offenses and so that we can move on and believe that God is in the local church. For those of you that are watching online today, whether you watch this now or you watch this later from a friend or family member that sends this to you, I want you to know that I'm very sorry if you've been hurt in any way. God has something for you too. Get back into a church where people will love you, care about you. I promise they're out there. If you're close to Hayes County, we're here. Will you stand with me? Thank you. This is a tough one for me, y'all. Last couple weeks have been tough because I've been hurt too. I didn't tell my stories or anything, but I've been there. I just want to pray for you today. And uh, at this point, I would like to invite you, if you have felt hurt by the church before, if you have felt offended by the church, if you've been in a place, you know what I'm talking about. If, if this message has resonated with you in any way, in a personal way to you, and, and you're feeling on your heart, the Holy Spirit is putting on your heart that you need to give some of this stuff up to God today. You want to forgive and you'll be able to move on and trust the church, trust leaders again, whatever that looks like. If you've been hurt by the church, would you just raise your hand? Wow, okay. Yeah, it's about half, about half. Those of you online, maybe type something and let people know, hey, that's me, that's me. Put a hand emoji or something I wanna see. I wanna pray for you right now. I wanna ask that you be able to let go of those things, give them to God, and we'll find freedom and hope. Why? Because the church will be built by Jesus. The church is important 
It is a great thing. And I want to build this church right here in a way that would honor God and help you through the struggles that you go through. We're a place that's okay to not be okay. A hospital for the sick, not a museum for the saints. We're not just about ourselves and about looking great, high and mighty. We're going to be real. We're going to be authentic. We're going to talk about things. We're going to work through things. We're going to grow closer to God because of it. Amen? God, would you help us to let go of the offenses that have been put against us? Last week, we talked about this verse. It's impossible that no offenses should come. We know that offenses will be there, but God, how do we deal with those offenses? How do we work through them? These real things that have happened to us. I don't want to live offended anymore. I don't want to live in a place where I can't trust church anymore. God, would you help me to let go today? For all of the people in their own individual stories, whatever they might be, Lord, would you help them to see that the local church is being built by you and it's important. And at least they would know if they're watching this message, whenever they watch it, there's at least one church that's trying their best to love them exactly where they're at, to love them in the middle of their sin, God, to love them in the middle of the hardship, to help heal and reconcile the areas where they've been hurt by the church or a leader in the past. God, would you forgive us as the church? Would you forgive me as a pastor and all the pastors that I represent? Would you forgive us for the times where we have failed? Would you help us? Would you help us to do better? To meet people where they're at? We all have the hope of Jesus within us that our faith would be built, that community would be built. No one would be lonely in this place, but they would have a friend. No one would be feeling hurt because of who they are, God. They're not defined by their sins. They're not defined by anything else other than the fact that they're a son or daughter of you. We're not going to be legalistic in this place, God. We're going to look to your word and to what scripture says for how we lead and how we live and how we love. And I thank you for what you're doing in our hearts today. God, would you give joy to each and every one of these people today? Replace the fear, replace the hurt, replace all of this uh, guilt and condemnation today with joy by your Holy Spirit. Right now, I declare that over each of these people that are watching or listening in the name of Jesus. God, we thank you for what you're doing. In Jesus' name, everybody said. Amen. Amen. Would you give it up for Jesus one more time today?